I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Please do make sure you followed or subscribed on whichever platform you're listening to the show. It's a great way of getting the latest episodes straight into your device and it's going to be waiting for you each week. Now today I'm delighted to be chatting to Ryan Stoyer. Now Ryan sees project-based learning as a way to change the world and is the founder of Magnify Learning, a PBL professional development organisation that equips teachers, instructional coaches and principals across the country to engage learners, tackle boredom and transform classrooms. Prior to founding Magnify Learning, Ryan was an engineer for a Fortune 50 company, an 8th grade English teacher and missionary. He shares his education and leadership insights on YouTube and on the PBL Simplified podcast. And with so many of our shows, it's great to be able to chat about the way we'd like education to be. But I get so excited when I get the opportunity to speak to somebody who's been able to embrace what's there, create something new and be able to then impart that back into the world of learning. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation all about Magnify Learning. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Always great to chat to people from around the world. And I think... It always seems like there's lots of different things going on because of the, the different types of countries we chat to people in. But I think at the, the, the heart of it, it's it's the child, it's the pupil, it's the ability to give them the skills, the understanding and the, the learning that they need. So, yeah, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Mark, thanks for having me on. I, I love the heart of your podcast, even just from the title. But the idea that the learner, the child is the center of all that we're doing. I, I think that's brilliant. I think that's where we all need to be focusing from whatever direction we come from. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the thing that we sort of come back to more and more and more, this idea of community. There's there's so many different partners that are sort of helping everybody. We kind of assume that school's the, the, the safe place and, and the place where children are getting what they need. And sometimes you have these stories of kind of, I didn't quite get school and I kind of learned it on my own. And then you have vice versa. It's that kind of, you know, you expect home to be this lovely safe place where they're getting all the emotional support and the things they need. And then you hear actually my home life's not so great, but my school's my safe place and whatever. So everyone's individual and you get what you can get from there. And if you understand the skills that you need and where you can get that learning and understanding, then you're setting yourself up. And well, for those of us, the adults in those relationships, we're giving our pupils and our children the support to, to go forward. So, yeah, anything we can do to help that, then I think we're, we're doing a good job today. Yeah, that's right. So take me into Magnified Learning. Where did that come from and, and what is it that you're able to support people with? Uh, so good. So our origin story is really, I was an engineer out uh, of a Fortune 50 company, and uh, I jumped ship. I realized my, my first, my two favorite days as an engineer were when we were working with kids in an after-school program. It's like, man, I just love today. And my wife's like, huh, that's that's different. I wonder what that means, right? So I went to go teach eighth grade English at an urban school. And for about four years, I taught traditionally. And I saw my learners be disengaged. I had learners that had 
over a full nine weeks, right? They just didn't turn things in. They were not engaged. They didn't think education was important. They didn't see that as a value. And then project-based learning came along. And I was in a, a failing school and I was like, what do I have to lose really? So we try this and what comes to play is now we have eighth graders are solving real world problems. Let's say uh, somebody from a hemophilia society comes in and says, hey, today parents are going to find out that their child has a genetic disease. And they want to know two things right off the bat. Number one, they want to know, is my kid going to be okay? But number two, they want to know everything there is to know about that genetic disease. Hey, eighth graders, would you help those parents become informed? And suddenly I saw same students, same urban school, their heads went up, their eyes opened up, and they said, yeah, I'd do that. I want to help. Okay, well, you have to learn these very rigorous things. You have to learn about Punnett squares. You have to learn about complex sentences. And they said, well, great. Well, just teach me those things so I can help people. And, and Mark, we had, again, same kids, different instructional model. But now we, our, our attendance was a percent and a half higher. In a failing school, we would have been a, a B. We would have been a passing school. And I, the first three projects I did, every kid turned something in. That had never happened to me in my educational career. So I was like, ah, we are on to something. And so we just did, we were teachers teaching teachers. We'd found this thing that we were excited about, we were passionate about, is working with kids. And we just kept going. So Magnify Learning kind of blossomed out of that, very grassroots. And now we work with uh, schools all across America, um, a, few, a few internationally. Uh, we've got some books out. And so we're just trying to support educators wherever they're at to really make the learning for, for students real instead of fake. We have so many fake scenarios. And if, if adults were in that position, we wouldn't be engaged. But we expect somehow these young kids, these teenagers to be, you know, excited about these fake things. And they're just not. Um, so we just we see it work in so many different places, whether it's rural, urban, suburban, wherever it is. When you bring real world projects to kids, they light up and they engage. And the thing is, is that when it's about you, when it's about your world, like say, or, the, or someone that you're working with, then it becomes real, doesn't it? It's a real conversation. It's a real situation. So therefore you just walk into that naturally because that's what humans do <laughs> and it makes so much sense as that's opposed right. to now we're in a classroom and today we're going to do this 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 and this and um i mean i certainly think about the amount of learning i've done post-school which is a few years ago um <laughs> no but it's that sense of you know it's important that this reads really well it's important that this budget works well it's important that i'm able to learn this new tech so that i can create a podcast or whatever nothing particularly that I would have done before that when you're just sort of learning because you know I was diligent at school and you know and you do what you do and, and all that kind of thing but as soon as it becomes your thing as soon as it becomes something which mm -hmm. is going to benefit you something you're prepared to put your 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 heart in on your sleeve and say no this is this is me showing up and creating something I want you to be uh, a part of or, or to, to show to you then it just changes the whole impetus. And, and I think, like I say, if you can get that going early rather than just post-school when you think, oh, I've done that bit now and now I can get on with my life, that really just opens up a whole world of different possibilities. Yeah, it's a great observation. And, you know, it's about you. You're involved in the learning. But I would also add to that is that you have a problem to solve in the world. Right? Like you've seen the world a certain way and you say, hey, you know what, let's, like if your podcast, for instance, like you say, you know what, let's focus on the learner in a lot of different ways. You know, I've seen you've got some neuroscience folks on your podcast, like all these different ways to help 
parents, teachers, and involved adults reach students in different ways. So that's the problem you're trying to solve. Well, yeah, now your budgeting piece isn't quite as boring, right? Because it's connected to your why. Your marketing piece isn't quite as boring. It's connected to your why and your work. Uh, and we can do that same thing for kids. Uh, but that's the point. Now you've got context for the learning. You're not just learning a fictitious budget because you might have a business someday. You have a business, so you're you're very involved in the budget, and you're writing copy because you know you want people to find your podcast, and all these things work, as you said, because we're human. Like it's just built into us. It's not an age piece. Uh, it works for I've seen it work for kindergartners. I've seen it work for high schoolers, and we use it every day as adults. Yeah, absolutely. So take us into the sort of the practical side of exactly how how your projects work and how the workshops work both in terms of sort of how that goes into school, because one of the things I hear quite a lot is I love the idea of project-based learning. I, I think this is, I can see the benefits of this. I, I know children are engaged, but my school looks like this in this particular time, at this mm. particular part of the day, it has to be a certain way. So how does that sort of work from your experience in terms of schools getting in, changing how they do things, or just applying it in a way that works, works across the board? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm sure that, teachers, educators that are listening, they've, they've tried something like this before and it hasn't quite worked. And what we find works really well is we believe that the local education ecosystem has the answers. So what we bring at Magnify Learning is we bring structures, processes, and resources, not necessarily direct answers, right? Because the local educator is going to have those. So you're going to start with the standards. What are the things you are going to teach these learners during this six-week period anyway? And then we're going to ask some questions. We're going to ask who cares about this work, who's doing this work in the real world, and who can we help? And if you can answer any one of those questions, you're figuring out how your standard applies to the real world. And then you bring that person in. You find a community partner that's doing that work. And you bring in the doctor, you bring in the dentist, you bring in the banker, and they pre present a problem to your learners. And now all the learning that you were going to do anyway, right, the same, uh, you know, best practices you're going to bring in maybe your laboratory your labs are still in there your writing assignments your math problems they're all still in there but now they have context and your learners are solving a problem and because you brought in a community partner they can relate to they actually care about that problem so now there's a why for the learning if, if you don't get anything else out of this whole interview is we need to give students a why for their learning beyond a grade that just doesn't cut it for 12 years it's why do I really need to learn this? Who am I going to help? So that's what we help local systems do, is we figure out what's your local why. So it's really different for every school. But it's not full pioneering work at this point. Like, we know what works. Like, we've, we've done the test. We've done the research. We know that we've got a six-step process that we walk you through. Uh, we've got the resources, the group contracts, the end products, all these kind of my geeky wording in PBL. Uh, but then we help you bring it into your world essentially and make it work within your system. And for me, that sort of really hits home because um, when, I, when I was at music college, I had two or three fantastic teachers across across the board. One was a, a timpanist, one was a percussionist, one was like drum kit, raw music. And they all had amazing personalities and incredibly um, amazingly gifted at what they did. But what I started to see was there are certain threads of truth that all three of them were telling me that I could kind of pick up myself. It's kind of, you know, the way you perform, your understanding of the history of things, um, how your personality comes through with it. And out of that came Mark, 
the musician. That's you know? right. Yeah. And, and, and then you, start, you kind of think, all oh, right, so I don't need to be that person. I don't need to be like that person. I need to find the essence of what that is. And I then take that on board. And that kind of gave me a confidence then, I think, of thinking, oh, right, I, I can see where my journey's heading. I, I might know the mm. next step. I don't know all the steps, but I kind of feel like I'm on a path that's mine. And, and then that becomes very exciting, I think, from a learning point of view. I, I, yeah, if I pulled a nugget out of that, that finding your path is probably one of the most important things that education can do for you. And unfortunately, it's not usually our North Star, right? We've, we get wrapped up in our standards and our silos and our academic pieces, which is our, those are our vehicles. Those are still important. We don't advocate you get rid of those. But like you said, you pulled it out of your teachers. Like, here's the common thread. Well, what if we did that right up front? Said, hey, we're going to learn these academic standards. We're going to do it through this real world learning. And I want you to figure out what your passion is, what you're excited about and what your path is going to be moving forward. That that gets really exciting. Yeah. And I think for me, the other thing is, is that, that there's sense sometimes that these days that everything has to be a little bit more spoon fed or a little bit easier to kind of, or palatable in some ways to kind of do, to do certain things. And I think what I loved about your kind of having a why and, ha and solving a problem in supporting people is that the rigor that you need in order to achieve that becomes something which is really positive and enjoyable in a different way than when, like say, when you're just being told to do it. I mean, the, the 10,000 hour practice thing of being a professional musician is pretty much true. You know, <laughs> you, you don't get that good yeah. without putting the hours in. But those hours being put in when you know there's a concert in a month's time and there's a certain thing you've got to be able to do is an excitement and a skill and a process which you kind of just walk into and, and creates this whole new way of being very different than kind mm. of I'm going to come back in 10,000 10, hours time and I hope you're good enough to be able to, <laughs> to, be able to do what you do it's a completely <laughs> different mindset but yet the actual kind of like I say the rigor of doing it is that is the same but the the mindset and the process suddenly feels very different and, and I love the way that you sort of that project idea works from that point of view because I'm going to learn this thing I'm going to find out some research for it I'm going to put it in place to be able to help that person and it makes so much sense when you put it in that way Mm -hmm. We we find that learners, because they're trying to solve this problem they're connected to, suddenly they're reading articles that are well beyond their reading level. But because they're so interested and they're trying to pull out uh, you know, this information that they need, they work their way through it. They figure out ways to do it. Instead of, hey, go read this, Mark, and come back and tell me about it because I'm going to give you a grade, you know, they dive into this work. And for your the idea of a concert, what we do in PBL is we have a presentation at the end of every unit. So that same, you know, geneticist that launched the PBL unit, they're going to come back at the end. And now our learners are going to present to them and say, here's our findings. Here are the pamphlets that we're putting in doctor's offices. Here's the PSA that we that you can go use and you can present with. And these these items are actually used in the real world. But our learners know that, say, four weeks from now, six weeks from now, that same expert's going to come back and they get to present to them. Well, that's exciting. Right? I mean, it, here's a professional that has a full-time job, and they're going to take time out of their job to come back and see what we're doing in my classroom. That's a big deal. Now suddenly someone's listening to me. They want to hear my ideas. So that whole four-week, six-week time where it's normally we're just slogging through material, learning complex sentences and practicing them, in, in a lot of ways, Mark, it's the same worksheet you might give for complex sentences. Say, oh, Ryan, you can't do worksheets. Worksheets in context are not necessarily bad, right, if we're learning something from it. And it's like I remember a kid who had – he wore these cowboy boots. He was just a hands-on learner. 
and school was traditional school was not his thing and he's like man why are we doing i'm not doing this I said, well you if you can't learn this it was a math piece actually i said if you can't do the math right here to figure out how many blocks are on this pallet then how are you going to be able to install them oh you're right mr stoyer i i'm gonna do, i'm gonna do this worksheet you got it you know and so he jumped right back into it because we had this overarching why that we were trying to to help with yeah and i think that's the thing i think i think even people who aren't you know experienced in doing sort of project-based learning it can be that understanding to get that concept across even changes the mm-hmm. your lesson which was going to be in five minutes to the reality of it if you can just get that con those concepts across and then change that mindset in just that that sort of brief time yep i i think that's a good nugget for whoever's listening if you're a traditional teacher and um, you're wondering about what's it look like to go to project-based learning Take one small piece and make it authentic. So, you know, this is going to go, you know, we're going to present this small piece to someone or bring in a community partner. If you're a homeschool mom listening, right, it's like, how do you take the learning that's happening? Um, it, you know, take that math, apply it to a dairy farm, and then go to the dairy farm. Like, go see it, right? That one step is what really connects the dots to the learning. It, it's that context and the real world piece. It's so important. Yeah, and that sense of community, like I say, and, you know, what's in that community? Is it a farm? Is it is it a laboratory? You know, is is it a car shop? Whatever it happens to be. And, and also, you have the, those sort of community elements in a practical sense, and also now online. Well, I, I can walk mm-hmm. into something across the other side of the world. If I'm surrounding myself with those people and I realize that I can get that information and I can be part of that community in this particular way, then all of a sudden... I really am creating the life that I want to live rather than, like you say, being given it. Yeah, we've got some some kindergarten, first grades, early primary kids that are authors and they're illustrators. And I had them on my podcast, actually. And they use that terminology because they actually published a book, right? Like you can go buy it right now. And here's a kid that's six years old saying, I'm an author. Right? Like most adults want to say that we can't, right? But it's like, here's this six years old. Like, what's that look like? And wherever you're at, Mark, I love that you mentioned the online piece because almost any author, and and I've written a couple books, it's like, if you start your email with, hey, I read your book and I loved it, would, you know, could we Zoom for 15 minutes, 30 minutes? Like the answer is always yes. And that's not just me, that's any author. It's like, we pour our heart and souls in this book and you told me you loved it. Like, you've got my attention. Like, I, I don't care if you're a homeschool group or an eighth grade classroom or like, we'll do that. Like, there's so many opportunities and once you kind of see the power of this, the the real world uh, learning, what it does uh, to your learners when they're that engaged, then you start to see opportunities everywhere. You know, maybe it's somebody at a restaurant, like you see, oh, uh, you, I heard you, I overheard you say you're an architect. Would you mind? Yeah, I just, or, you, or I just say family gatherings. Like it turns out Uncle Al uh, is a really interesting engineer. You had no idea, right? You thought he just fell asleep while watching football. Uh, but you start to engage the world a little differently and it helps your learners do the same. Yeah, and it, it, like I say, find, finding out what those things are um, makes such a difference. And, and I think for me, it's it's also that sense of people are interested in people like you said and and mm. if you like say if you've been an author but I, I, I like the connectivity of the fact that it's like i'd love to speak to you as an author just don't happen to be in america at the moment so maybe i'll write you a letter maybe you'll write back and now it's that kind of oh there they are on whichever 
social media platform or like say through your podcast or whatever it happens to be it's a quick message and then you can get a reply and then it might be like say you turn up on a zoom or you or you do whatever and you have that and and i love the fact that you can skew you know the positiveness of all the online interaction that you can do now because mm-hmm. it just opens up the world but it opens up the the community in and personalities and that human connection which is kind of what we sort of started talking about to begin with yeah i it, i think if we could teach our kids that the positive interactions that you can have via the internet is such a powerful tool and skill um i think sometimes i'm amazed about the people that don't reach out to me you know as an author like i I get great reviews on the book. They're, they're sometimes they're struggling through. It's like, just reach out. Right. Or, 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 you know, parents that are talking about, they're trying to find somebody to talk to their kids as, as an author, like, like so many people would do that, but I don't know that we really have the skill of appropriately reaching out. And we get scared of that. I think, um, I just heard another podcast interview of a pretty famous author. And he said, it's the exact same thing. He said, if you reach out and say, Hey, I read your book you've immediately got attention, right? So what a great skill if our kids could grow up knowing that you can really network in positive ways way more than we might think. And I think, what was the book that I read? The um, um, the, the Slight Edge, uh, it, was, it was related to that. Oh. And and yeah. and that sense of yeah, you 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 kind of always think that in order to be able to do something, I need to be some superhuman person who's creating something that's never happened before, as opposed to if I just do what I need to do, I'm already in the top what ninety five percent of the world, as it were, because most people don't go to all the classes, they don't do what they need to do, they don't reach out and ask for something, you know, just by doing yeah. the next step, it kind of puts you ahead a, a and above. And I sort of have that in my teaching sometimes. It's like the pupil that's interested, enjoys the lesson, done a bit of practice. Oh, I've just listened to this piece of music. It's like that's often not the norm and so you come in with that attitude and we're on a completely different tangent for the next half an hour because i'm into that because that's what i want to be doing yeah oh you're you got me you got me excited now mark like start edge is one of my favorite books that's one of my rereads uh just the small things that you can do to get ahead we we do we think it's got to be this great big lottery moment and it's these small things you know you reach out uh once and it works you reach out again and um like you said, the, the student that sits up front and is ready to take notes, like you're ready to pour into that person. Um, I've, I've been the person that, you know, I thought I, I'll just sit in the back and I'll just learn, you know, I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick things up. And I, I genuinely wanted to learn, but what was I showing the teacher, you know, and um, versus sitting up front. So now if I go to a seminar, you know, if I, especially I pay, you know, a decent amount of money to go to the seminar, I'm going to sit up front as close as I can. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to make have my voice be heard. And I would just say that's a skill we don't normally teach in schools. You know, we, we, you know, studies show that we talk to the kids that are right in front of us and then the front row, just naturally. But we rarely teach that to kids. And when you get community partners in the room or you're talking to, you know, maybe a banker or a lawyer, we have to have those conversations with our kids. We say, hey, well, here's how you give a good handshake. You know, give eye contact, give a good handshake. Let's think of some questions ahead of time that we could ask. Those are probably the most valuable skills. Those three things right there are probably what I use on a daily basis to run a successful organization, but we don't teach those. 
right? So how can we how can we define those and teach those? Yeah, and I think I think this this sort of comes back nicely to the idea of the project based learning because rather than yep. here's what I think you should know, and then people going oh I don't know that because that feeds into my experience mm-hmm. a little bit of certainly with my kids as you start to we've sort of said as parents we just just go and ask them you know you weren't sure about this just you know go and have a quiet conversation or in the class did you just put your hand up and say and they're like well no because I think actually we're meant to know this or I, I didn't want to be self-conscious or, or this or whatever because th- th- there's like an expectation I guess that's where the whole exam thing comes in you know by the end of this year I need to know all of this stuff and if I don't then I'm already failing in my eyes you know kind of thing whereas yeah. ha- having a project where it's kind of well we're creating this so whatever I need to do in order to make this happen I don't know this so therefore I'll find out I'll ask I'll do whatever but the actual feeling of what you're starting with is completely different and that just changes the chemistry the biology the the understanding of what you're trying to do and 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 therefore the environment is different and I think that's probably the 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 key difference from there well I think that's such a big deal and I think you do a nice job of that Mark when I when I look at your website that's the vibe that I get is that the environment around the learning is so important uh, and then we overlook it. In, in my work at Magnify Learning with, and with PBL, we call it culture. You know, what's the culture that you're bringing? What's the culture that you're setting up? Is it one where questions are valued or that they're looked down upon? In PBL, if you ask a question, I'm going to say, oh, thank you so much for that question. Gosh, I appreciate that. So many people are probably asking that. And then you'll see five more hands go up, right? Because you've, you just put into your culture that you value questioning. I call culture um, the, the current that happens throughout your education. If, if you're in a, a stream and the current's taking you in your canoe, we'll say, and even if you don't paddle, you're gonna go that way. If you try to paddle upstream, it's gonna be difficult. And if you paddle with the current, you're gonna be going really fast, right? So what's the current? What's the culture that's taking your learners? And I saw this once in uh, an urban, a large urban school, and I was interviewing a teacher, and a student came by and just you know, kind of politely interrupted and said, you know, I really need to turn this in. Um, is it okay if I turn it in digitally or whatever it was? And school had just gotten out. Kids were going everywhere. And this kid took time to make sure that he got this thing turned in. And I got the backstory. He was not what you would consider a model learner, right? Like he had struggled in the past. But the culture in this particular classroom, because he didn't do well in all classrooms, but in this classroom with this teacher, the culture was you turn things in because it's important. So this learner knew that culture and that, that stream took him. It wasn't his natural bent, but the current of that class allowed him to turn that in because that's just what was expected. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of the of the asking the question and then other people putting their hand up as well because like I say, you you can be the person that changes that environment because you're, you're yes. doing the one thing that the other people didn't quite have the courage to do. And, and that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Because I did mm-hmm. it once and then all of a sudden this cold conversation started. So if I do it again, then that will be the same for someone else and someone else. And then you're not even thinking about it. You're, you're asking because you want to know, but you also know that you're supporting the other people in your in your class or your environment as well well and and, you know just an encouragement to the listeners that whoever whoever you are that you're trying to teach a student you can define what engagement looks like right whether you're a teacher or a parent or a business owner you know if if you go man these kids they're just they're just not engaged these days this whole generation you're gonna be right right that's that self-fulfilling prophecy but I guarantee you that there are teachers that can engage those kids so now your quest is, what are the skills that I need to build to build engagement? 
I've found the number one is real world issues. Um, you know, I've, I've had kids that, again, we're, we're getting 20% in my class, uh, but we did a service learning project. This is before I was doing PBL. We did service learning and we went to a park and, you know, we were going to pick up the garbage and the, the dangerous things in this park to help the kids that were playing softball and this kind of thing. And we were going to measure how much garbage we collected and then sort it and, you know, do a bar graph, this kind of thing. And, and I had kids that were fighting over garbage that were failing my class, right? But they were so engaged with wanting to help and do the thing that they were engaged in. And if I were to say, hey, you know, Carlos was really engaged today, the other eight teachers he had that day would say, no way, you're lying. You're making that up. It's like, no, you, what's his, I, sometimes I say currency. What's his currency? What really gets him up and moving? Everybody has a currency. Everybody has something that will engage them. And as the educator, formal or informal, we can kind of define that culture and the expectation. If I expect you to be disengaged, you'll step right into that. If I say, man, my classroom, everybody's engaged. If you talk to my kids last year, they get so engaged and fired up about this PBL unit that you're going to love it. And Oh, what's next? I'm, I'm ready to love this. You know, we want to do that. So we can help define that. We don't have to accept what, what's already there. Yeah, I love it. Um, so in terms of what you, you provide, how does that work in terms of you're going into schools, you're doing it person to person, you're doing it virtually? What, what's sort of the range of things that you're offering? Sure. Yes, yes, and yes. Right. So we um, have virtual options. We typically train over the summer because um, that's when our teachers are available. So, uh, but even we've got some homeschool moms that are in there as well, trying to figure out what PBL looks like for, for their systems. Um, so there are some virtual options for sure. We typically do a three-day workshop. So it's three days. And what we do is we put you into the PBL environment. We do in-person as well, but we start the day with an entry event. That's how we want you to start a PBL unit in your classroom. So we get you excited about the your outcomes. We tell you what's going to happen. We show you some great PBL units that have happened before. And then we tell you on day three, you're going to present the PBL unit that you make. And teachers, 15-year teachers, veteran, whoever, they all go, what? I don't even know what a PBL unit is. How am I going to present on it? Exactly. You're probably going to pay attention the next three days, right? And that's what we want your learners to feel too, right? That's the whole point of learning is there's something you don't know and you're going to bring light to that. So then we do individualized workshops. Some of the some of the secret sauce to PBL is we do this thing called the need to know chart. We lay out this big uh, goal that we're going to achieve and they say, well, what do you need to know to achieve this goal? So in the genetics example that I started with, somebody might say, well, I don't know what a Punnett square is. Okay, we're going to teach you that. Um, I don't know how to write a pamphlet. I don't know how to do informational writing. Okay, would you like us to teach you that? Yes, I would, because I want to achieve this goal, right? And then each workshop is based on what the learners have asked to be taught, right? That's a big difference than Mr. Storyer thinks you need to learn this, so learn this right now. So you're setting up your PBL unit um, where inquiry is built in. So we do the same thing with adults. We do the same thing with adults. Every question that they have around building a PBL unit, about learning the instructional model, we have resources that we bring in. We do them work. We call them workshops, and we workshop for 15 to 20 minutes. You answer that, and you start building the PBL unit for your grade level and your classroom. So again, like you said, Mark, like it applies directly to me, right? So I want to learn about it. It's not this idea, and then I apply it later. We're going to build it right now, and specifically for you and a problem that you want to solve. And then we do um, follow-up coaching to that because 
it is a new way of learning for most of us. Most of us didn't come up in a PBL environment. So we do virtual coaching beyond that to, to help with implementation. I love it. And I think the thing that really struck me there is the sense of feeling what it's like as a learner when you're the teacher. Because you get into your comfort zone of the teacher and it's like, yeah, I'm all good here. I've done this class before. I know what I'm trying to get out of it. And I've had this so often when I've done um, um, percussion workshops and it's like, oh, great. What are you going to teach us? It's like, I'm not teaching you anything. We're going to get in a group. We're going to learn all these rhythms together. And in 40 minutes, we're going to be a samba band. <laughs> the, you know, the, the blood drains out of the face. And I'm, I'm not a musician. I can't do this. It's like we're all in it together. And what, what I love is the fact that they're scared. And I, I get that because yeah. <laughs> music may be not their, their thing. But by the end of the 40 minutes, they're absolutely loving it and doing it. And also what they've experienced is the fact that you have that kind of, ah, what's going to happen? But I'm not then putting someone on the spot to do anything which they're not comfortable with because we're doing it mm -hmm. together. We're doing it as a group. The questions and answers that come are very organic. You're kind of supporting each other within your small group to create the big group. All these things which are going to help you, like you say, in any kind of learning environment. But there's something about feeling like, ah, oh, I now understand what it's like when there's a new topic in my class and the children don't know what's going on, or this is an area they're not really happy with, or they're a bit unsure about, I can relate and empathize with what that's like. But I also know that once we start getting into this and you give them ownership and they can take it in a way and they understand how that's going to work, it's going to be a different ball game. And then that's a really exciting thing to kind of to give to the adults, I think, in, in something which isn't always necessarily what your CPD session is necessarily going to look like, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, that's right. We, you know, we, we fight against the sit and get, right? We don't want to just tell you about PBL. We want you to learn it. I loved your wording of then your participants or your learners own their learning because they've created, you know, their learning in whatever style wording makes sense for them. So we're just supporting them in that. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm always interested when people have sort of come into education, especially with a slightly different sort of bent, as it were, is there a learning it? education experience or a teacher that you remember um that particularly sticks out and had an impact and also how has that maybe sort of focused the way that you've gone about sort of delivering what you're offering yeah great question so um the direct effect came from i was a model student i did everything i was supposed to do on a four-point scale i had a 4.2 i was a three-sport athlete i went to college at a large institution to be an engineer because that's what everybody thought you should do um but I ne was never asked, what are you passionate about? What problem do you want to solve, Ryan? Like, uh, you know, where do you want to make your dent in the world? That was never a part of the decision making. It was always just very logical of this will be a career that makes you money and then you'll be happy. And I got to that career and I was very good at it. I enjoyed the challenge of it, but I looked up the line and I was like, this isn't the life that I want. This is, these aren't the problems that I'm really excited about. So I made a shift right into education and I love it. I'm super passionate about it. And I wake up every day excited to help this world. And that was very different. And that's what I want kids to have in their education. I want them to know why they're learning. And so it's almost a opposite example, if you will, like I, cause I was told that I did everything right, but I wasn't heading towards the life that I wanted. So I think we need to change it to where our learners are figuring out how they learn, why they learn, what problem they want to solve in the world so they can be passionate about the work that they do every day. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, 
And is there a piece of advice that you were given that you'd like to share? Or was there uh, a piece of advice you might give a younger Ryan now, sort of <laughs> looking back with that experience that you've now had? You know, I, when I went to college, my mom would write me these letters and she signed them, life is choices. You know, love mom. And when I was in the eighth grade classroom, I started every classroom. As soon as you walked in, I said, good morning, life is choices. And when you left, I said, have a great day, life is choices. And I said it 32 times to every single, and I did that for a very long time. And when I meet kids that, you know, I had in class, they'll, some of them don't remember my name, but oh, you're the life is choices guy, you know? And that's just something I wanted kids to know that, you know, whatever life you have, it's built up of the choices that you've made. Um, and sometimes kids don't have as much choice, but they, they will and they do, right? You have, we tend to have more choices than we think. Um, so even if you're a classroom teacher, like my classroom isn't what I want it to be, like there are some choices that you can make. And if your homeschool isn't exactly what you'd like it to be, like there are choices that you can make, things that you can learn. And that's just a saying that seemed to have uh, to resonated with me over the decades at this point. You know, as you said, it's been a while since we've been out of school, but um, that life as choices is one that I think serves kids well. If they can think through that. Yeah. I really, I really like that. And I think the thing that strikes, strikes me is the fact that we want to kind of see the whole path or we want to make one choice, which is going to make a big difference. And it's, for me, sometimes it's just about if I turn this key a little bit, it's going to turn the cog enough to make the next one and the next one and the next one. And then you think, I'm doing the bit I can now, because you're quite right. You know, there are some kids, you know, you've got limited choices. You've got people telling you what to do, how to live, what it's going to be. But you know, how I think about this lesson or like say what comment I make to myself or to someone else is going to change something. You know, I'm going to ask that question, which is going to open up a different experience in this particular class, which is going to, and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, like I say, just being told that is something which is going to change people's lives without knowing all of their journeys, because that's not what we're here to do. We're about opening that door, not actually showing what that path happens to be. Yeah, that's right. Is there a resource you'd like to share? And this can be professional or personal but anything from a podcast video song book what is it that sure really yeah it, it, if if you go to your your web browser and put in pbl simplified hopefully my resources pop up i've got a podcast a youtube series and a book all with the same title pbl simplified and the idea is that you know we've been doing pbl for a decade and a lot of that was trailblazing work like we were creating things we were up till midnight doing all the things but at this point, we have some structures, some processes and resources that we can share, and we're happy to, to simplify that process, uh, not to water it down. You're still going to have to walk the path. You still have to find the real world aspects. You have to relate your culture to your learners, but we can simplify some things. So if you go to PBL Simplified, um, again, you've got a podcast, a YouTube or a book that you can dive into and you can learn a little more there. And if I can help in any way, each one of those, I think, will have a link to me and I'm happy to jump on a call or an email however i can help fantastic yeah like i say ask the question and see and see and see where that yeah, that's right you. yeah yeah um and, and just in terms of wrapping up the acronym fire is important to us here at education on fire and by that we mean feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment what is it that just strikes you when you hear that oh goodness empower i i love them all first of all like i love that um, empowerment i think is such a big one traditional school has set us up to be passive. We sit, we we take it in, we regurgitate back. And and kids are, are be, become passive because of that. If we can empower kids, they move from passive to purposeful. 
And that's when a generation lights up, you know, one kid at a time. So the empowerment is so important. And I guess I would say for everybody, I love, Mark, I just love this podcast. I love your mission. Whether we're empowering teachers or, you know, parents or community partners, entrepreneurs, like you should be empowered to, you know, make a difference with one learner at a time. And you can do that. And you don't need, you can always go find the skill. Um, it's out there. There's ways to learn that. But I want to empower you, and this podcast will continue to empower you to go and really reach those goals that, that you see for you and those that you're teaching. Lovely. I love it. What a great way to finish. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing all those insights and all that wisdom. And I can just, well, I can just tell from the passion that you have. And, and, I, and I love that journey, like you said, of being the model student all the way through to what you're doing now. And you would have never have known that was the case, but it's that passion's got you to, to where you're making the, the biggest difference and solving all those problems in the world. So yeah, thanks so much for sharing it with us. No, oh, thank you, Mark. I appreciate the conversation. It's been a joy and I appreciate your work. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.